you are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instructions. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. We've been announcing a game night for ladies' ministry, and this is coming up really fast. We're almost September. Can you guys believe that? We're almost September already. I don't know what happened to summer, but here we are at the end of it. Um, Game night is going to be September 7th at 6 p.m. This is for ladies only, so bring your friends, bring your sister, bring your mother, bring your cousins, bring your neighbor, bring someone. Ladies 18 and over, you guys are welcome and encouraged to attend. This is a lot of fun. We've had game night once before, and it was great fellowship, and we got to leave here filled and overjoyed with with joy. So this is September 7th at 6 p.m. Also, another announcement, if you uh, are walking in late or tuning in late and you're on your way over here, We do not have uh, any of our kids' classes open. Um, We will be closed until further notice, maybe until the beginning of October. And we're just cooperating and installing all the COVID precautions. Um, And this is just so that we can keep each other safe, keep our families safe, and our little ones safe also. Um, So there is no nursery, no jam, or super kids. Although youth, you guys will be collecting today at 5.30 or at 6 p.m. in the youth building. So youth, um, bring someone with you. School started, so bring the whole football team, bring the whole volleyball team with you. There's food, there's games, there's snacks, and there's a word, and there's fellowship. So this is good for you teens. Um, Also, just a reminder, there will be no prayer service this Wednesday. And we will resume prayer service um, the following week. But um, I know that we are... We've announced this in the back, and we have two jars in the back, and one is for prayer requests, and one is for praise reports, and this is sponsored by the Ladies' Ministry, and we've been getting a whole bunch of prayer requests, and we just want to rest assure you that we are getting into agreement, we are getting together, and we're praying on behalf of every single petition that comes in. Um, and we are also sharing praise reports, and today we have two praise reports that were pulled out of the jar. Um, so we were going to share that with you this morning just to encourage you. Um, we had Miss Selma's son. One of Selma's sons was affected with COVID and his lungs um, were really severely affected and he was unable to breathe on his own. And they moved him into ICU and he had a whole bunch of complications with the um, is it BiPAP machine to help him breathe. Well, glory to God, we all prayed, got into agreement, and God's word is faithful. God is faithful to every single one of his promises. And we just received news that he was moved out of ICU. He's able to breathe on his own. He's even calling his wife and speaking with his wife. So we just want to praise God for that praise report that he's doing well, and God has moved in his life. Amen. And then um, our second praise report, this one is my praise report. Um, I know that we are all... uh, Um, we know what I have gone through with my kidney and the sepsis and kidney stones and and all that ugly, not fun stuff. And um, I had a prayer request um, about two weeks ago, and this is the importance also of having 
brothers and sisters in Christ, because when we say, I need you to pray in agreement with me, it's good to have those people who pray and get in agreement. It's not, okay, I'll pray later, or prayer's your way. No, we stop where we're at, we cancel out everything, and we, we just pray. We take that moment to pray out loud and together in agreement, and I'm very thankful for you guys who have done that with me. Um, but I had gone back in for another CAT scan and blood work and cultures and things like that, and Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had another kidney infection because my kidney stones were clumping together and getting so big that my kidney was unable to filter. So we got into agreement that I was not going to have any more kidney infections. I was not going to have any more kidney stones. So I went back to get another CAT scan, and I just got news um, on Thursday that my stones once were so big that nothing would pass, and now they're so small that they didn't even bother to me- uh, to size them. So glory to God, my kidney stones are gone. How that happened so quick, we don't know how that happened so quick. It is all the hand of God. It is all the hand of God. And um, I will be kidney stone free if I'm not already today. So thank you guys for praying with me. And God, we just give you all the glory for moving in our lives. So um, at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts, and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way as we welcome Pastor H. to come up. Good morning. Wow, that was lame. All right. Now I won't. I'm kind of in school mode because, well, school started up a while ago, and so, yeah, sometimes I like to give the kids a hard time. It's, uh, it's a little funny to watch them come in and kind of complain about how hard they have it because they have to go to school, and I'm like, you should try being an adult. It's way less fun than it seems. So, um, what I was going to do today is a little bit different. Um, the, um, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do, but, you know, pastor's, um, pastor's series had just ended and I didn't really want to start up anything new, uh, or go in a whole new different direction. And so I was thinking about it and I think, um, that, uh, the topic I'm going to present today is not really much, it's not going to be in the way more of like a, a preaching or an exhortation. This is going to really going to be kind of more like class. Um, because the thing is that what I've seen is that over time, okay, so like, don't get me wrong. This is an excellent church. Uh, I would recommend you come here often, but you know, I could sit here and tell you a really nice story about how one time Dan and I went to this nice restaurant and man, they had, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, that place in Fort Worth that, you know, served us all these really nice steaks and they would come by and all the sides and all that stuff. And I can sit here and talk to you about that for 45 minutes. And none of you would skip lunch just because you had heard a lot about some really good meal that I had. Sure, most of you would actually want to go eat lunch for yourself. Okay. Now, while that kind of sounds funny, what happens is typically on Sundays, we come over to church and you sit and listen to something that that pastor has gotten. And like I said, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to God that we have someone who, who studies and brings us, brings us fresh, fresh messages from heaven. But 
Um, while it's nice to be fed when we're babies, when we get older, we kind of want to be able to feed ourselves. And so that's what this, that's what this, um, uh, that's what this uh, message is going to be about, is that each one of us needs to learn how to study the Bible for ourselves. You know, when it comes down to the end of it, um, our blessings are going to be based on what we have been able to, to capture. You know, you can, I mean, I know it seems that way. A, a lot of guys like to watch the, you know, football on Sundays and it seems great. And, you know, you think you know how to play in the NFL, but let me, let me assure you that if any has ever, you know, if any of us ever did a walk-on, it would end badly, you know. Things are just different when we watch them play out on the screen. And in a certain sense, when we come in on Sunday and pastor gives a sermon, it's almost like watching a game. You know, I can guarantee you because I know a lot of the backstory. A lot of the times when pastor's talking about something and he's giving you his three points and all that stuff, I know because I know him, a lot of grief that came that preceded that. You know, the things that pastor knows is because of the things that pastor's gone through. Okay, so when he, when he talks about stuff like that, it's not just a little, it's not just a little three, you know, he didn't get this out of, you know, pastor digest. Yes, those things exist. Um, what it is, is he had a problem. He looked to God to get the answer to the problem. And after a whole lot of praying and, and sometimes standing and believing and doing all the things that we know to do, he received the answer. And then when he's all done with it and he kind of sees how God put the dots together, that becomes a nice sermon with jokes and everything else that you all can sort of, you know, absorb a little more easily than he did, you know. And that's, I mean, that's great because that's, that's what he's here for. But by the same token, you know, God wants to have a relationship with you individually. And the primary way that he talks to you, you know, yes, sometimes it's going to be through a sermon or through a song that you hear. But a lot of times what he wants to do is have that alone time with you so that he can get some things across to you. And so if you don't make it a normal habit, a normal part of your of your life to be in the word, like people say, then you miss that. What I can tell you is you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and you see God's original plan. God's original plan was that we go to work and then um, at the end of the day, he would come and talk with us. You know, about what? You know, about your day, how it went, you know, getting ready for tomorrow, all the other things you're going to have to face. And the whole point is that God wanted to have that kind of relationship with you. And that's sort of the whole point, you know, the whole reason why Jesus came was to get rid of all the obstacles between him and you. And there's only one obstacle left that he can't clear. And that's you wanting to. So, like I said, this is what we're going to be talking about is a little bit, like I said, it's going to be a little bit more class. I have notes. There's things to download. Um, but I'm hoping that you'll, you'll take some of this to heart and, and start doing some of these things in your own life because it's going to open up a door that... Um, it's going to open up a door for you to receive a lot more from God than you currently are. Well, let's go ahead and begin. So the title is 
study the Bible for yourself. And now I'll ask, um, can I change the slides or do I need to tell you guys to change the slides? Um, I've got two. Well, let's give it a shot. That one didn't do anything. And that one didn't do anything. Oh, wait, it's also not on. And now I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, this one's not on either. I can just yell next slide. That's fine. Oh. Oh, there it goes. See, I get, apparently just have to yell next slide. All right. All right. Okay. So uh, I found this nice picture, and I'm going to describe this is a, a, an actual story. Okay, so there was this 17-year-old boy who actually, um, believe it or not, got, uh, uh, he prayed the prayer of salvation with his shoe salesman. And after he finishes, you know, so I guess he went out to get a pair of shoes and got more than he, than he went for. And, um, so after he prays with the shoe salesman, the salesman tells him, well, now you need to get to church because you need to know more about this Jesus that you just accepted. So the boy goes to church and he goes in there and, you know, he pulls his brand new Bible that I, guess he just bought. And so he's sitting there and the pastor says, now let's turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 15. And then he panics. So the first, so everybody's just like, you know, because they're all church people and they just start flipping. And he freaks out and goes to the table of contents and he sees 2 Timothy. Okay, okay. He found it. Didn't know where it was. Then turns to, oh, page 325, boom, he goes over there, and it says Joshua, and now he's really confused. And so then all of a sudden he goes back, and he realizes there's two sets. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament, and for some reason they decided to start renumbering at the New Testament. So he realizes, okay, I've got to go to the front end and then look for 325. He just gets to 2 Timothy just in time to hear the pastor call out another scripture, and he still doesn't know where he's going, and he already missed everything that the pastor said about 2 Timothy. All right, so I know things are a little bit different now because now we pull out our phones and we're like, Siri, turn to page, and it does it for us. But for the most part, that's, that's kind of a thing that, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the, that kind of thing that makes people confused when they come to church. And it's one of those things that we need to be kind of be careful. If you, if you invite someone to church, you might want to help them out a little bit, maybe sit with them the first couple of times because, you know, it takes a while for, for people to learn how to do church. But really what that's reflecting is not, not having enough, not having spent enough time in the word and knowing sort of how to get around. Now, just to let you know what happened to that 17-year-old boy, eventually he did find how to get around in his Bible and, and uh, um, actually spent his life um, basically being a, a, a preacher, ended up converting almost a million people or about a million people, uh, to, brought about a million people to Christ 
and founded a, uh, a training institute that trains about 1,200 kids every year to, uh, you know, to be able to pray their prayer of salvation and go out into the whole world. So uh, his name was Dwight Moody, if you ever... If you know, if you've heard that name, it was a, a, a famous guy. But like I said, that's how he started off. And unfortunately, like I said, a lot of times when we start coming to church or, or you know, we don't know how to get around. And like I said, that's going to be part of it. Next slide, please. All right. So why should we even study the Bible? So number one, because it makes you strong. And I put here 1 John 2.14 I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, having, that, having the word in you is really what kind of gives you authority. This might be a little bit... Um, well, let's see. I think probably the easiest thing I can explain this with is, is if you were a kid, well, I guess all of us were at one time or another, um, and, you know, your mom tells you, um, you know, go tell your brother so-and-so to uh, go feed the dogs. All right? Most of the time, now you have power because you have the word of dad. And you walk down there because, you know, otherwise, you know, you can say stuff and nobody listens to you. You're a kid. But you walk in there and you're like, Dad said he wants you to go feed the dog. Hey, you can argue with you. You know, they can argue with you if they want. But, you know, you have the word of dad on the subject. And so it's really not. So you, there's a certain confidence, a certain strength that comes from not having to stand in your own power. Make sense? And so when you're standing there dealing with a situation that you don't have power to deal with, it's really nice to say, you know, I don't have any ability to deal with this, but God said that sickness has no right in your body. You know, he says that, you know, Well, I mean, I, I, think it, I think you all are, are getting the point here. When you are, you're able to stand in that confidence knowing that God has said a certain thing, that gives you strength when you face the problems that you face in everyday life. Now, it assures you of your salvation. Now, maybe some of you have been coming to church so long that doesn't bother you anymore. But that is something that usually um, young Christians kind of struggle with. And that is that... Um, you know, they go and do something stupid and they're like, man, that's it. I'm done. You know, m- might as well not come to church again because I've already blown it. All right. But what does the Bible say? First John chapter five, verse 13 and 14 says, these things I have written unto you that you believe on the name of, of the son of God and that you may know that you have eternal life. So what he's saying is I've written these scriptures to you. I've written these letters to you so that you can know not you know, not think, not wish, but know that you have eternal life and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. And it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that goes on. I didn't have time to, to, or space to put it all in, but he talks about if he hears us, then we know that we have what we asked of him. 
See, now a lot of people out there who don't understand sort of the way we believe, which is, I think, pretty clear in what the Bible is telling us here, is that my prayers don't make God do anything he doesn't want to do. Okay? What we do is we find the will of God on the subject, and then we pray that. Okay? So how are you going to do that? Have you ever gone to the bank to try to get a loan or to try to take care of some problem? Or, you know, you go to a, you know, you're at the store or something like that, and there's an issue with your account. And they start asking you, well, did you do this? And what about that? Did, did you remember you were supposed to wait three days? Did you realize that you overdrew, blah, blah, blah? And they come up with all these things. And the problem is, if you don't know your contract, you don't have any answers. You know, and so there you are, you know something's wrong, but you have zero power to deal with it because you don't know what's in your contract. Now, that's a very normal thing, but see, it's the same thing when you're sitting home, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, your kid sprouts a fever of 103, and you're like, but wait, you know, Jesus, this isn't supposed to be happening, and you don't hear anything. Okay, why not? What's it, what does your contract say? I mean, you have a feeling something's wrong, but do you have the confidence to go to, you know, to go into that situation knowing what God has said, to be able to ask according to his will? You know, you go in there and you start praying, God, if you want to, please heal my baby. That's not going to work. That's like, again, you know, uh, it's one of my favorite examples because it's just so funny. That's like walking into the middle of the bank and saying, I would like to have some of my money. They're going to think of you. I mean, you may have an account there. You may have money in your account. They're not going to give it to you just because you yell for it in the middle of the... I mean, they might if they're nice, but for the most part, you know, there's a way. Fill out the paper. You, they give you your money. I mean, why are you screaming? And the thing is, that's very often that's the problem. You know, we, we have an issue. We kind of know what God has said about the subject, but we don't have the confidence because we don't know what God has said about it. And if you don't know what's, what God has said about it, that, again, like I said, that makes you weak. You know, you're not going to be able to fight, the, you're not going to be able to fight against the, the wiles of the devil if you don't even know what your rights are, what God has said about it, what you're supposed to do about it. You know, if you don't know your covenant, if you don't know your contract, it makes you weak. Now, next slide, please. It guides you in the situations of life. So Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One of the things that's really important about studying the Bible is that it you begin to understand how God sees things. Now, trial and error is fine, except when it's really important and you really need results. You know, you would like to have, you know, it's funny because people will say, you know, there's no manual to life. Well, I disagree. There is a manual to life. So a lot of people just don't like what it says. You know, unfortunately, uh, I won't look at all the guys, but we know what a wrench is for, right? Most of us, 
but in a pinch you can use it like a hammer, right? You know, if you have to. Okay, that's not what it's used for. And if you don't get really good results, that's why. Okay, there's a manual to life. And it's like I said, this thing is rough. Life is rough. Life is a fatal disease. You know, we will not get out of this thing alive. And so what happens is it would be good if we knew how it worked probably sooner than later. And so, you know, why do you have to, you know, why do you have to go and, and uh, make all the mistakes yourself? You know, I mean, that, it's good. That, I mean, you should learn from your mistakes, but it's better if you learn from someone else's or better yet, learn how to do it and then just avoid the mistakes. And that's what he's talking about. God's word is a lamp. You know, the Bible says, I didn't put that scripture in here, but it says that the world walks around in darkness and they don't even know what they stumble over. I mean, you got people pursuing ways of living that are just not, they're not going to bring, you know, they're not going to bring uh, the results that, that they think they are. How many people, you know, got into drugs. That's just an example. You know, got into doing drugs because, you know, you can't tell me what to do. I want to be free to do whatever I want. And you come back five years later and they're in so much bondage that, you know, so they were promised freedom, but what they bought was bondage. Like I said, and you know, that, that just happens sometimes, but it's like that. You know, the world promises a whole bunch of stuff, you know, but like Jesse Duplantis says, uh, Sin will take you further than you wanted to go, make you pay more than you wanted to spend, and make you stay longer than you wanted to stay. And bottom line is, if you walk around with a flashlight, that's way better. And the Bible says that's what the Word of God is for. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, you know, so for how things work. For reproof, in other words, when you when uh, you're not doing things right, uh, it it tells you what you're not doing right. For correction, how to fix it, you know, and for instruction in rightness, how to do things correctly. So, if that's what the Bible is for, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would like to I would like to be doing things right. If I'm doing something wrong, I'd like to figure out how to do it correctly because. You know, I really, all I really want is the results. You know, all I really want is for, for this thing to work. And this thing is whatever I'm looking at right at the moment. You know, whether this thing is my health or this thing is my finances or my family or anything else. I just want it to work. You know, and rather than run around, well, does this work? Nope. Does this work? Nope. How about this? Nope. How about this? You know, there's two ways to... You know, there's two ways to build a house. One way is, you know, <laughs> the right way. Yeah, somebody's, somebody's already quick on that. Yeah, no, there's, you can go, you know, I mean, well, I guess we're right. It is the right way, you know. You can, you can go and, and look at, you know, a construction manual. You can read your blueprints, or you can just go for it, you know. Good luck. I'm not going to come over, 
you know, if you don't know what you're doing and, you're, and you know, you just, I just, I built my house the way I thought it should go, you know? Unfortunately, like I said, that, that makes you laugh, but that's how we built our lives, or at least that's how I did mine until I started coming to church. Well, this seems good. Let's put a, let's put a two by four right there. All right. It's like the guy who put a, well, you guys wouldn't even know what a fuse is, I guess, anymore. But it's like the guy who used one of those old fuses. You remember when they used to be round, old timers, anybody? Um, the fuse went out in his car and his lights, uh, his lights went out. Like I said, not the nice new blade ones, the old-fashioned glass tubey ones. And um, he, didn't have anything to, he didn't have anything to stick in there, so he used his 22 bullet. And the lights worked. So he drove off down the street for another couple of miles until the electricity finally heated it up enough to where it went off and shot him in the leg. So uh, I would suggest that's not how you want to do things. So it guarantees success. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed, empowered to prosper, is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why are you listening to friends that are ungodly? I don't know. Why do you put your problems on Facebook to see what all your ungodly friends tell you about it? I don't know. Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but delights in the law of the Lord. That's your Bible. Delights in the, in the word of God. And in the law does he meditate day and night. Okay, so this is something he's constantly thinking about. It. How does this work? How should I do this? How do I deal with this problem? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That means that that tree gets water whether it rains or not. That, that's kind of a hard concept to understand here in, here in South Texas. But if you are planted by a, you know, by a river, it doesn't matter if it rains or not. Your success should not be dependent on what's going on in the world. And I'll just leave that right there. That brings forth fruit in, its, in his season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. How about we read that last part again? What... So ever he does shall prosper. Would you like to be in that group? All right. He's telling you how to do it right there. All right. Next slide, please. All right. So a little, a little bit, why is the Bible special? The thing here to remember and this is something that, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how, how, how common this is among the older set, you know. Um, but certainly for your kids, this is something that's under attack all the time. Well, you know, the Bible's just a book. It was written by men, blah, blah, blah. Okay. The Bible is different than any other, than any other book, uh, religious or otherwise, because it makes one very, very special claim about itself. And it says, it is God's revelation of himself to men. Okay? All the other Bibles, well, Bibles, uh, holy books or whatever that you might have a chance to read, any other religious texts, these are people trying to understand God. And like anything else humans do, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. The Bible claims that it is the revelation of God to man. So God is trying to explain himself. He's trying to reveal himself to people. 
And that makes it a whole different, a whole different thing. This is not someone trying to figure it out. This is God saying, no, I realize you think I'm like this, but I'm actually like this. You know, I know the world tells you that you need, you need to earn your salvation. I'm telling you that it's the free gift of God. That's a different, that's a different perspective. Okay? It's inspired. And what that means is, I mean, if you think about it, especially if you know Spanish, inspired literally means breathed into, okay? God breathed life into his word. If you remember, that's how you got to be here too. God breathed into the earth and made him, uh, made that piece of earth a living thing, a living being. Well, in the same way, God breathed into people to produce the word of God. And, I mean, there's a, whole lot of, there's a whole lot of talking about this. But some people kind of get stuck on the fact that, well, men wrote it down. And I'll guarantee you, while God inspired the writings and sometimes inspired the people, that does not mean that the people were sort of inspired all by themselves. I mean, David wrote a lot of chunks of the Old Testament, a lot of the Psalms. And you can go read for yourself. He, you know, he wasn't perfect, but God still used him to write down something perfect. Okay. Um, and, and I guess sort of the biggest, the biggest thing I can say about, about that argument that people will say, well, this is something that, that men wrote. And so, you know, who knows? Um, the funny thing is when Jesus was tempted Uh, If you remember that he fasted for 40 days and then he went to be away in the wilderness and the devil came to him and tempted him and said, you know, you can uh, command these stones that they be made bread. Jesus came back with, it is written. And he quoted scriptures that were written down by men, men that were recorded to have sinned. So in other words, if Jesus believe the words that these infallible men, these fallible men wrote down to resist the devil. I mean, obviously, you know, Jesus could have said something in his own power, but he was demonstrating how we're supposed to do it, that we can rely on the word of God to fight for us in a sense. Okay. So if Jesus could have stood there in his own power and said, get, I mean, he'd done it before. Okay, but he didn't because he was trying to show us how to do it. And the way he did it was he relied on inspired words written by fallible men. Okay, but you can't do that if we don't know it. All right, next slide, please. Okay, a little bit. Again, maybe I'm kind of overdoing it, but that's kind of my specialty. So what about the history of the New Testament? Um, a lot of people, I mean, if you go out there, especially if you look around, if you start doing some studies, you're going to find out there's a whole lot of things purporting to be scriptures out there. Um, so what I want to show you is something that maybe you haven't seen before. All right. So this is from second Peter three fifteen, And he's talking, this is Peter 
which if you remember in the book of Acts, Peter and Paul didn't really get along together. The book of Acts actually kind of records them fighting because Peter wanted to make everybody a Jew first and then convert them to be Christians. And Paul was like, no, there's a separate deal for the, there's a separate deal for Gentiles. They can just come right in. They don't need to be Jews first. But the book of Acts records that entire fight. But, uh, well, and also their reconciliation. It didn't stay, it didn't stay messed up. But then later on, when Peter's writing the book of Second Peter, his letter, he writes, and the account of the long-suffering of, of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, and according to the wisdom given him, has written unto you. So he says, you know, there, there's something going on talking about salvation that Paul wrote. Okay, so Peter is talking about something that Paul wrote, which we know as other books in the New Testament, most of which were written by Paul. He says... As also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, things about salvation, in which some things are hard to be understood, which those that are unlearned and unstable rest. Like you can see there, it's kind of like they fight with. So like Paul says something that's hard to understand and they're, you know, these, these people wrestle with it. And it says, as they also do the other scriptures now that's huge it doesn't maybe seem like that to your ears because you know of course it's scripture all right but you have to understand that peter was jewish you know he was a good jewish boy growing up until he met jesus and for jewish people the scriptures are the scriptures and you don't mess with them if you've ever seen if you've ever seen in the movies or, or maybe in a documentary where when they go to read the scriptures in a synagogue, they'll take these big scrolls down and they kiss them and they treat them very gently, that they have an incredible amount of respect for the scriptures. And here is a Jewish man saying that this the information, the epistles that Paul wrote, he calls them other scriptures. Okay, so Peter is telling us in this in this one little statement right here that what Paul wrote is right up there with the Old Testament. That's huge for a Jewish person with that. In other words, with that amount of of respect for the the Old Testament script. Well, what we call the Old Testament scriptures to say that what this man is writing now is our new scripture. All right. So understand that they realized these things that they were writing back and forth were from God. They had them on the same level. Okay, so what happened? Okay, so a little bit of, a little bit of history lesson. All of, the, all of the early church thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And so what happened was they started churches. They were all excited. You know, hurry up, get all your friends saved because Jesus is probably coming by October and and then October came and went, and the next year came and went, and then some of the disciples got martyred, and, you know, it started, time started to go on, and they started saying, well, you know, what if Jesus isn't coming back right now? We need to start getting that in. For, there was no real reason. Of course, you know, if these letters were for, uh, if these letters were for, um, for the different churches, so Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. 
Okay. And then some other church was like, oh, Paul wrote you a letter. Let me have it. And they, they started to spread it around. And so, of course, all these letters, you know, from the apostles were copied and spread out. Well, then later on, when they realized that Jesus probably wasn't going to come back and the disciples were starting to get martyred and, you know, somebody said, you know what, we're going to have to put these things together so that, you know, we can start, you know, in other words, kind of prepare for the journey because then they realized Jesus may not come back as soon as we, you know, and if, if the apostles, you know, once Paul died, they're like, man, you know, we better get his letters together. And so what happened was, um, I'm not going to get into, there's a whole lot of political jargon in there that I'm not going to deal with. But bottom line is, Christians got together. And they got together, and they, I mean, because that's, that's a question people like to fight over. And like I said, I'm not going to fight about it. But what I can tell you is, Christians got together and decided... Okay, so you say you got your, your, you say that you have a letter from Paul? Oh, yeah, no, he wrote it to me. Well, when did you get it? Who did you get it from? And because they wanted to make sure that they got only things that were written by the apostles, things that were, things that were inspired. Okay? So if you couldn't prove where you got it from, you didn't get included. You know, I mean, seriously, if, if you could, well, so I got a letter from Peter. Where'd you get it from? Uh, my uncle gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna. You're not gonna get included. All right. So it wasn't this big. I mean, I know sometimes when you read it, like you know, we talk about the Council of Trent and all this other silliness. What it was was a bunch of Christians got together and they said, "Okay, bring everything that you have that's supposed to be from the disciples." No, 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 no. I, I saw that before. That was written by this guy. Okay. So they decided amongst themselves, based on where they had gotten the 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 text from, who you know, which ones were real and which ones were not, all right? So that is how, that is how the Bible, the, the New Testament was created. You had to be able to prove where it came from. You had to be able to prove that it tracked back to a, to a disciple or, or one of the apostles. You couldn't just, like, whip out some book that you found somewhere and be like, put this in there, all right? Now, so what about those other Gospels? Um... So I'll just read to you a little bit out of Galatians 1, 6 through 9. It says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. So what he's, what he's talking about here is, I already told you that you were saved by grace and you're trying to earn it. He calls that another gospel. That is not the good news that he got from Jesus. He says, so I, you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, from the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be cursed. As we said before, so I say to you again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you have received, let him be accursed. Okay, so what he's telling you is, look, we have the scriptures. We, you know, we told you what we told you. There's a lot of stories out there. Those other gospels, even if you hear an angel from heaven preaching some other gospel, don't believe it. Why is that? Because history was the same way it is right now. 
I can go into a Christian bookstore and find all kinds of stuff that is not Christian. All right, so when I was young and dumb, um, dumber, I was like, I had to find out. I mean, the worst thing you could do is tell me that there were some Gospels and I shouldn't read them. So I went to read them. Don't bother. I mean, if you can, if you want to, I'm not going to stop you. But you can tell right away they're really stupid. Um, especially if you, if you understand the Bible, you know, if you've read it and you're familiar with it. Um, uh, usually these guys, okay, so there's these other manuscripts that, that say that they are other Gospels. Sometimes they're called hidden Gospels or apocryphal Gospels, which is just Greek for hidden. And then, you know, or Gnostic Gospels or Gospels for people who know stuff. Um, and all of these things, they're pretty obvious fakes. Um, they're usually written with a very, very slanted point of view to justify a sin. I mean, it's really, that's, you know, it's the same thing today. You know, just, you know, search, you know, um, uh, Christians for cannabis or something like that. You'll find somebody, you know, you'll find a group that wants to justify something they're doing and they, you know, bring their favorite scriptures. Well, what better way than to invent a gospel? And then Jesus said, you know, um, there's a gospel quote-unquote gospel, where Jesus and all his disciples, like Jesus tells his, tells his disciples to run around sleeping with all the women. What sin do you think they were trying to justify? You see what I'm saying? There's another one where uh, the gospel is trying to show that Jesus wasn't really human. Like he was always, he was God, but like he wasn't really human. So when he was on the cross, he was just faking it. Okay. Um, and then, you know, because that seemed kind of hard to swallow, they, that same gospel follows up with when they roll the stone away, since Jesus isn't in there because he wasn't actually dead because he was just pretending, a giant cross jumps out of the tomb and begins hopping down the road talking to people and trying to convince them that Jesus was just kidding. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't bother reading <laughs> the other gospels. They're really, it's like I said, once you're used to, you know, like you read parts of the Bible and it like, it, it gives you like a spark of hope that you didn't have before. You ain't going to find any of that here. What you find are things that look like they were written by a second grader, very obviously to justify one sin or another. Um, and so that they can all feel good about what they do. They would invent gospels and then try to get them stuck into the Bible. And people were like, well, where'd you get it from? Okay, sorry. All right. And so. Like I said, it's, it's very obvious that these things are, are kind of made up. You want to look at them? I, like I said, it's up to you. I, I'm not going to tell you not to, but it's really a way. I've wasted a good six months of my life, and it's time I don't get back. So I, I, I don't recommend it, but knock yourself out. All right, next slide. Oh, sorry, that's a repeat. Next slide. Okay, caution, my opinions. All right, so there's, okay, this isn't my opinion. This is true. There's two types of translations of the Bible. One is called formal and one is called functional, okay? And it has to do with the problem of translating things. 
any number of things I could say right now, but almost all of them are not good to say in church. But there's some words in Spanish that just don't translate. Like, okay, I'll do, I'll, I'll do an easy one. So look over at Gilly and I'll say, Gil on that way. Okay, anybody want to tell me what that means? Come on. Well, but okay, see where we get? So what does it actually mean? If you actually say the words, what wave, cow? Like, what does that even mean? Okay. That's, that would be what, what we're calling a formal translation. Que, what, onda, wave, way, ox. That literally, you know, what wave, ox? Okay, so that literally means nothing. That would be a formal translation. What do the words mean? Then there's a functional translation. A functional translation might be, what's up, dude? Which actually conveys more of the meaning, but it's the, none of the words really, they're not the same words. You know, if you've ever heard somebody, you know, you, you give somebody a really good dinner and they tell you, hey, you threw yourself. Again, that is a, that is a formal translation. Okay, so when you're, dealing with, when you're dealing with translating the Bible, you have two kinds of Bibles. You have the formal translations where they're literally trying to give you the words which then means then you have to start learning a little bit more. Because if, if I, you know, um, if I translate the words to you, like, I'll give you an example. Like, you'll find in, let's say, the King James, which is a very formal translation, you'll hear where he's talking about, um, where he's talking about uh, communion. And Paul says, you know, some are sick and others have fallen asleep. He didn't mean they fell asleep. He mean they died. He meant that they died. Okay? But you have to know then, you know, that falling asleep meant dying to, to the people of that age. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is if you don't understand that, then you read, oh, they fell asleep. Are you thinking, well, they fell asleep? Well, no, they actually died. Okay? Um, and so uh, you have to know the... I mean, well, you don't have to know. I'm going to tell you some. But like I said, you want to know whether the Bible that you're reading is more formal or more functional. Is he trying to tell you what they actually said? Or are they trying to tell you what they meant? Okay? Those are the two kinds of Bibles. So I've given you a small list. And again, this is my opinion. So use it, toss it, whatever. These are the most popular ones that you find out right now. The, the NLT, if you've never read the Bible before for yourself, which I suggest you do, that's a good one. Okay? New Living Translation, it's easy to read. It's a modern translation. The, they try to use words that we use today without being too, like, slang. Right? Um, New American Standard Bible, uh, I consider this one, one one of the best to study. It's a little bit formal meaning that you have to understand sometimes when he says they're asleep, that he really means they're dead. You kind of have to, you know, but, but a good Bible will have those notes in there that say, oh, this, you know, it, they, they wanted to translate that correctly, you know, word for word, but then they put in there like a little footnote that tells you. Okay? So it's, like I said, for me, it's one of the best to study, and it is, uh, 
you're, it's a little bit more modern language, so you're not, gonna found, you're not gonna find the Elizabethan English in there. Thou knowest, O Lordest. You know, you're not gonna find that. New International Version, it used to be good, but then they kind of got full of themselves and they wanted to like, um, make themselves sound smarter. I know. Um, but what happens is, so like I said, the NIV used to be one of the most popular, but they keep updating it. And every time they update it to make themselves sound smarter, it, like, it kind of ruins it. Um, again, up to you. Um, see in red there, my opinion. Uh, King James Version, very formal. Um, this is, I mean, a lot of people, you'll find some people there that say if it's not the King James Version, like it's from the devil. Okay, I don't believe that. You know. Um, but what I'll tell you is that there's two issues with the King James Bible. I mean, it's the one that most people use because like most scripture, it's been here so long in English that, you know, the, the, when people quote scriptures, usually it's out of the King James Version and that's why it sounds familiar to us. Problem with the King James Version, English has moved on since 1611. And so when it talks, so like the King James, the real deal will tell you, you know, there are three, faith, love, and charity. Well, charity doesn't mean what it used to mean. Charity today means like, you know, giving to people who need help. But back then it meant like a sacrificial love. Okay. Uh, to say something was artificial. Uh, it, I mean, if, if, if you showed me some piece of art that you produced and I was like, man, that looks artificial. That'd be kind of insulting. But in 1600, that was actually a compliment. It means that you did a lot of work as an artist. It looks like really good art. But to call something artificial now would kind of be, yeah, it kind of sounds like it's fake. Okay? So again, word, word meanings move, and you need to know that. Uh, the second thing is there's a couple of problems. Uh, hopefully I don't have some King James-only people chasing me, but... See, now, the reason why the, the King James Version is really good is because they were producing it for King James. And so these people, like, they put 110% effort in there because it was for the king, you know, so they wanted something really awesome. But God has some really strong opinions about earthly rulers, and it's not always positive. And they were looking at it and going, man, if we translate this exactly what it says there, he's going to come for us. And they were more afraid of the king than of God, so they kind of changed the, they fudged the meaning a little bit so that it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, offend the king who was paying for the whole thing. So, a couple of problems. The Amplified Bible, I like that one. Hard to read, but what they do there is like, we all know, a lot of us that know Spanish, like the words don't always translate exactly. And it kind of, well, you know, like it kind of means this, but it also kind of means this. And so when you're, when you're doing that from... Uh, Greek and Hebrew, what the Amplified Bible does is when it gets to a word that doesn't quite cover it, it'll put several words in there to try to give you like a slightly better picture of what the word means in the Greek, because Greek was really exact. And so, um, like I said, that's, that's one reason for that. The Message Bible is really popular, but this is one of those, these last two, they're really popular right now, but they're very functional. The Message is probably extremely functional. And what that means is this is really a guy kind of telling you what he thinks the scripture means. And it was written by one guy. So, I mean, you can maybe like it or whatever, but it's not really a study Bible. It's really kind of, 
Because again, at the end of the day, reading the Message Bible is kind of like listening to pastor. Again, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do, but what I'm saying is you don't know what the words really said. You're kind of more listening to his explanation of that. Same thing with the Passion Translation. Again, really nice, uh, really nice version, but it's really one guy's opinion of what these scriptures actually mean. Um, now, next slide, please. Which translation is the best? Next slide. The one you actually read. It doesn't matter if you have the, the New King James uh, Blackaby study Bible with extra notes, 10 times the appendix, and you know maps up front. If you don't read it, doesn't work for you. Um, my personal suggestion, if you're just starting off, like I said, the New Living Translation is a pretty good, a pretty good mix. Um, it's easy to read and, 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 and not have to sit there and, and figure out what they're trying to say. Um, if you want to do some actual legit studying, I would suggest maybe a, a New American Standard. Um, Again, that's just my preference um, because you want to, for me, functional translations are a little bit dangerous just because I don't necessarily want to hear your opinion of what you think God said. You know, I want to find out what he actually said. And then if I need to do a little bit more digging to find out that being asleep means dead, I'd rather do that than you just kind of tell me and maybe I miss something. Okay, so that's my, but like I said, uh, again, everybody's on a, if you've never read the Bible for yourself before, start easy and then, you know, like, like I said, you will enjoy it. Next. All right. So here we get to the actual, that's the introduction's now over. Um, three quick things and then we'll call it a day. Um, there's three kinds of study that I'm going to introduce you to that hopefully you'll pick one and like it as a means to get started, okay? So the first type of study is called synthetic, and synthetic means putting things together. Um, so what you want to do is this is like a book study, right? You want to you wanna study the entire book. The way these things were written, they were written as books, like they were written as a unit. So like the letter of Ephesians or the epistle uh, of the Ephesians is literally a letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It was meant to be read all at once. Okay? See, already I said that and some of you are kind of freaking out. The entire book of the Bible all at once, it's a letter. They're not that long. You know? Most of the New Testament letters are literally just that. They're literally just letters. They were meant to be, like I know you guys don't even know what letters are because everything's email now and text messages. But, but back in the day when people wanted to talk to each other, sometimes they'd write a letter. And so, you know, it was meant to be read all at once. All right? So reading it all at once is kind of the best way to get... I mean, if you think about it, if I wrote you a letter, and I'm... I mean, I'd be writing it for some kind of reason, you know? And so I'd want to have whatever, whatever prompted me to write that letter, it's going to be in there somewhere in the whole thing. If you just pick out one sentence, you're probably not going to understand the whole reason why I did it. Okay? So that's really what they want you to do is, is look at the book as sort of like a separate thing. Okay? So start small. 
I recommend Gospel of John because it's, it's small, or even 1 John, which is even smaller. Um, but read all these things, like predominantly start in the New Testament. The Old Testament's kind of hard to get started. A lot of people, when they decide they're going to read the Bible, start at Genesis, and then it gets really tough really quick. Especially like if you, if you suffer all the way through Genesis, which is kind of cool because lots of stories, and then you get into Deuteronomy or Numbers, and it's like there was 8,000 of these guys and 4,000 of those guys and 3,000 of... <laughs> I suggest you start in the New Testament. So read the entire book all at once. Don't, don't make the mistake of stopping at the end of a chapter because I don't know about you, but when I write an email... I don't, you know, usually I just keep going, all right? The chapters, everything, all this stuff was put in after the fact, so just read it without any reference to chapter or verse and read the whole thing. Reread it until you really get what he was trying to say. So what was the, what was the, point, of this, what was the point of this letter? What was, he, what was he trying? Okay, and as you read it, you begin to make notes. So who wrote it? What was going on? At what time did he write it? What was happening? What was the place? Write down the big ideas of the book. Okay? Now, <laughs> these last, or not last two, but the third to the end and the second from the end are big deals for me. Okay? Don't use anything more than a regular dictionary. Like, don't use a Bible dictionary. Let's use a regular dictionary. Don't use any other Bible tools. I know, like, especially if you really want to, if you're gung-ho, you really want to do this, I suggest you don't. Now, why is that? Because this was a letter. If you need three concordances and a, and a dictionary to understand when I write you a letter, you're missing the point, okay? What you want to do is you want to understand, this, uh, Bibles, <laughs> the, the books of the Bible were written to people, not to scholars, okay? So what does it say? I mean, I've seen people get so far out on this. I mean, I've literally had conversations with, with people who were like, when the Bible says don't commit adultery, what they mean is they, you know, God really meant that you shouldn't exchange like Christianity for some other religion. And I'm like, that's absolutely true. But it also means don't cheat around on your wife. You know, like you want to get so deep that you forget like, okay, he was actually saying, you know what, don't fool around on your, on your spouse. That's like foul. Okay, so, you know, you have to understand this was read, meant to be read by people, you know, imagine, you know, okay, kind of the same thing, but, you know, the first epistle of Terry Mize to the Hebron Villians, you know, (laughs) and then like, you know, then I sit down and I read you, hey, this is Terry, just wanted to say, that's what it was. It was, it was a letter from a friend of the church to the church, meant to be read by the church, at the church. They didn't think about making it the Bible until they realized, hey, you know, these guys are passing away, and we, don't, you know, we didn't collect it all together. So, again, it was meant to be read by people, so read it that way, you know? It's not hard for you to understand. Again, this is God revealing himself to you, not God trying to make it hard for you to figure it out. Okay, you know, can you can you tear this apart 150 different ways? Of course you can. Okay, that's the awesome thing about it being the Bible. But its first and best use 
was God trying to tell you something. All right? So if you need to, if something doesn't make sense to you, pray about it. Okay? The end. All right. Keep your notes. Why? Because this is, when you start doing this, it really opens up a whole brand new thing. And it may seem weird right now, but you will get to enjoy it. When God tells you something, and trust me, he will tell you something. I mean, it won't be like, go and preach to the continent of Africa. Probably not. Okay? But, okay, first thing, first thing, because I still remember all of them. First thing God ever got across to me. And it's dumb, but it made that much of an impact to me. When I was first trying to, trying to study the Bible, and I was reading the part about how, you know, the, the children of Israel left Egypt and went to a land flowing with milk and honey. And the thing that popped into my head, and I'm pretty sure it's God because, well, it just kind of sounds like him. He was like, notice how it didn't say it was full of cows and bees? Why not? That's where milk comes from. Or goats, I guess. You know. What he was trying to say, I mean, and there, there's a truth in there somewhere. Like I said, what he was trying to get across to me was he's already done the hard work. You know, it'd be a whole different thing. You know, hey, I brought you, I brought you a land full of goats and bees. That sounds a lot less cool than a land flowing with than a land flowing with milk and honey. Because those are the things that we want. Those are the results. In other words, he's telling us, you come in here, you're going to get what you were looking for. Now, of course, when we get there, we find out, okay, there's cows and bees involved. But, but the thing is that, like I said, is it a big deal? No. Am I going to write a book about it? No. But I know that God told me that. Why do I know that? Because that was definitely not one of my thoughts. Okay? Now, when, and when you realize, like I said, that, that now, like I said, that was, a, that was a little thing. But here we are, what, 20 some odd years later, that I still remember that. And it reminds me that God didn't call me to a life of service for service sake. Of course I work. But lots of people work and don't get anything. You know, what he told me is he promised me, if you do what I tell you, you will get the results. And that comes from a very dumb, you know, well, I shouldn't say dumb, but at least strange little pop in my head as I'm studying the scriptures. Why did he say milk and honey instead of cows and bees? And like I said, so how do I, like I said, for me, I feel like it, it, that that was definitely because of the effect it had on me. Like I said, 20 years later, to continue to remember stuff like that and to remind me that God has dealt with me a certain way. And that, you know, again, it's kind of cool because, like, this is not something that you've ever heard on TV. <laughs> you know, this is literally something that, that, you know, God popped into my head because he knew that with me it would register. Okay? You will get those same kinds of things, but only if you do it. All right, next, please. So that was a synthetic kind of study. 
Then there's inductive study, which some people kind of gravitate to, like, right out the get-go. But um, inductive, I wrote there, like, you try to get all the juice out. Has anybody ever eaten beef jerky where you just chew it for, like, way longer than it was intended to be chewed? Yeah, I thought I was in South Texas. Never mind. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as long as there's, like, any flavor in there, you keep going. Okay, this is that kind of a, this is that kind of a study. Uh, where you, you pick a small scripture, you know, like pastor said something, and I really want to look into that. And you start asking a lot of questions. So like, in other words, instead of being broad, like the, like the last one, like the book study, now we're really narrow. So there's three steps that people talk about observing, interpreting, and applying. So what does the scripture say? Is it literal? You know, does it mean it literally? Is it symbolic? What is it, what's the key point here? Is there something that you have difficulty with? You, you, know, you believe it, you don't believe it? Um, how does that work? Because this other part of the Bible says this, and it kind of seems like they contradict. You know, is there something that mm, doesn't sit right? Is there a similar passage? Like they, the Bible's talking about something else uh, or in another place about the same thing. Then is there a rule in here that you should be obeying? Is there a promise that you should be claiming? Is there some danger that you should be avoiding in the scripture? So you ask all these questions trying to figure out what does this, you know, what was God actually trying to tell me? So then after you answer all these questions that you can think of, what does it mean to you? So like if this is God talking to Angie, what does this mean? You know, what's God trying to tell me right now? And then application, what should I do in real life about what I just read? I mean, it's great to sit there and say, you know, forgive lest thou not be forgiven. And then, you know, and then you yell at the guy all the way who just cut you off at the red light, you know? If it doesn't, if it doesn't end up making it into your real life, did you really learn anything? You know? So what are you going to do right now to, like, apply it? So... Like I said, this is when you really go after one particular... And this one, I would say, use all the Bible tools you want. Get commentaries, get, you know, what other people said about it, different translations, you know, go back to the Greek and Hebrew, whatever you want to do. Like, try to learn as much as you can about these little scriptures. Um, and, uh, and like I said, you, you'll, you'll be able to get a lot more understanding out of that by really, you know, again, focusing narrow... And, and going as deep as you can. Next slide, please. All right. So last type is topical. All right. So this one, you look all over the Bible for the script. So pick a topic and then look all over the Bible for the scriptures that talk about it. So what are we talking about? Doctrines. So what does the Bible have to say about salvation, about healing, about prayer, about the end times, about angels, about demons? Whatever you feel like, you know, whatever interests you, then look all over the Bible for it. Or different events. What about the destruction of the temple? You know, what about um, the Ten Commandments? You know, what about the famines in Israel? Whatever. Um, about different places. Um, about different uh, duties, things you should be doing, or things that the Israelites were commanded to do. Uh, you could do a word study. Um, people have done a lot of studies about the word uh, praise in the Old Testament, which actually comes, it's translated praise in English one way, but it actually comes from seven different, uh, seven different uh, Hebrew words 
that all get translated the same. So what that means is, as soon as you find that out, you realize, you know what? A lot of times I'm reading praise and I may have one thing in mind and the guy who wrote it actually had seven different options to choose from and he chose a particular word and I don't know what that means because everybody translated it praise. Okay, look it up and you can find that out. Uh, Biographies, you know, what different, you know, about the life of David or the life of Jesus or the life of Saul or anybody else. Uh, Dispensations. This one, how did God treat people you know, before the flood, uh, before the law was given, after the law was given, before Jesus came, after Jesus came, what's going to happen in the future? God actually, dispensation has to do with how God deals with people. Um, And there's different rules um, based on God's timing. Um, Again, for these, again, you'll need a good concordance. That's to look up different words and stuff. a Bible app. Actually, if you have the, the Faithway app uh, from the church, that actually connects to a whole bunch of, of uh, Bible study tools, commentaries, dictionaries, all kinds of things. Um, my personal recommendation is to go, go to BibleStudyTools.com, and they have pretty much, I mean, uh, back in the day when I got started with this, the only way to get it was to buy the book. Um, and I I mean, I literally have one entire bookshelf in my living room, seven feet tall and five feet wide, full of reference stuff, which now you can just get it on your iPhone in two seconds. Um, So hooray for progress. But uh, if anybody wants a 50-pound dictionary, I've got one at the house. Um, You know, but, but like I said, all of these tools are now, I mean, it's awesome to do Bible studies now because like I said, I mean, I remember, um, I remember originally, like when you wanted to find out what something happened in the Greek, you had to actually go buy a Thayer's Greek New Testament, which I have, um, which is cool. But now you just like search it and it pops up and it's free. Whereas I could promise you that lexicon was not, and it was hard to find. So, like I said, it's the best time to ever uh, to, to do Bible studies because almost everything having to do with this is free. Um, all right, next slide, please. Last rule. Enjoy yourself. The whole point, remember that God's point in this whole thing was to be able to talk to you at the end of the day. That's what he still wants, you know? You go back and look at um, you go back and look at the Lord's prayer. You know why did He ask us to pray to give a, you know give us this day our daily bread? Because God knows us, and He knows that if He gave us bread for a week, He wouldn't see us for a week. All right. So what? Understand that that it's kind of a setup. God has everything you need, but you're going to have to talk to Him to get it. And understand that it's a whole different way of life to understand that you have problems and realize that you've always got someone to talk to that has the solution. You know, your answer is 18 inches away from your, from your mouth. You know, it's just pray and God will talk to you. And if you read the scriptures, he, he has a way, like once you make a habit of this, you know, you're sitting there and you've got an issue and you don't really have time to pray because like stuff is happening right now. And 
those scriptures just kind of start bubbling up and you're like, that's how I deal with that. The Bible says the Holy Spirit brings those scriptures to our remembrance, but he brings, a, he brings them to our remembrance. We have to read them first. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't remember them. Okay? So you really got to give them something, give him something to work with. Um, and like I said, it, once you get used to it, there is literally, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't like problems, but I pretty much my job now is to deal with them all day long. And the, the way that I'm able to, to do that and actually be able to sleep at night is because, you know, I already know from the get-go that I am not smart enough to deal with all the 9,000 things that fly at me every single day. But I know someone who does. And if I can just shut up for five seconds and ask him, he'll probably tell me how to get there because his word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And so I can take steps and be confident. And even when I don't know what I'm doing, I know that if I'm obedient in this one thing, God is faithful to make other things happen because he said he would. And so, like I said, you really, you know, you have to get out of the comfort zone. <sighs> I wasn't going to tell you this, but I just got to tell you because it's just that's how it goes. Um, if all you get out of the Bible is, you know, what you see on TV or what you hear. And I'm not saying that they're, they're bad, you know, because this church is included. If all you get is, you know, what pastor says, which is good, or what, you know, different preachers on TV says, or your, you know, your newsletter that you get, or the blog that you get, or, you know, the Jesus McNuggets you get on Instagram or whatever. All of those things are fine. But they're pre-chewed food, guys. This, this, you know, yeah, a little nasty, but it's true. You know, if you didn't get it for yourself, you're getting somebody else's chewed food. You know, what you want to do is you want to go in there. I mean, it's great. Baby formula is just pre-chewed food. It's just chewed in the factory before you get it. But after a while, you want to grow up and begin to start finding these, these things for yourself. And you know what? That newsletter may not cover the topic you need. You know, the sermon may not cover the thing you need to know. But if you are full of, if you are full of things that you've studied and things that God has showed you, that's where the power comes from. That's where the confidence comes from. That's where all the things that I told you at the beginning, you know, where, where these things or what the Bible can give you, that's where it comes from. It, it comes from you doing it yourself. You know, again... Everything else is great, um, and anything you can get your hands on is good, but never let it take the place of you seeking God for yourself, because that's where your storehouse is going to come from. That's, that's where God is able to talk to you directly. Like I said, you know, don't let this be something that, don't let this be something that you find as a chore, because like I said, once you do it for a little while, you'll find that you know, you'll find that um, that the benefits far outweigh any time that you spend. You know, um, you spend, well, kind of to steal a, a, a point from someone else's message, um, you know, there, the story of the guy who went, you know, found this guy in the woods and he was trying to saw down a tree 
And so he's got the big old saw in there, and he's going back and forth, back and forth, and hardly anything's happening. And he's watching the guy saw, saw, and saw, and he's like, what are you doing? And he says, i got to saw this tree down. It's, like, really important. He goes, well, if it's really important, why don't you take some time and sharpen the saw? And the guy's like, I don't have time. <laughs> all right. That's dumb. But we're like that all the time. You know, we're running ragged. We're on the edge of collapse most of the time. You know, you, <laughs> you know there's that... Uh, that feeling that that you know the day the end of the day comes and you collapse like a like a you know a tree that got cut down into your bed and then like five seconds later the alarm's going off if you live like that you need to take some time out of all the work all the busy that you have and spend some time so that when you have these things face you you have the ability to deal with them if you just spend so much time dealing with things you never get a chance to increase your ability to deal with things. So, all that said, um, hopefully this this message helps. Hopefully you guys go home and and apply some of this. I know this isn't one of those big, you know, jumping up and down and running around the, the, the church kind of things, but I think if everybody takes this seriously, it will begin a, a it will begin a, a journey for you to be able to learn directly from God and have things applied to you when you need them and not have to wait. I mean, again, if anybody needs prayer, there's lots of people, you know, anyone around here will pray for you. But it's better when you have that, even if you get everybody to pray with you, again, like I said, I'm not saying anything against that, but if you have at the core of all that, you have the promise that God said that just makes things a lot more easy because you're not working on someone else's faith. You know what God said. You know he's told you other things before. I mean, there's times, been times in my life when I'm confused about what to do and I have to go back and I say to myself, you know what? I know for a fact, I know for an absolute fact that God knows how to get my attention. So if somebody's trying to scare me with something, all I have to do is take a step back and say, okay, God, you know, I don't get driven by things. I get led by you. What should I be doing here? You know, um, you have to have that confidence and that confidence comes from spending time in the word, spending time listening to God and being absolutely certain that when you listen, he will talk to you. That said, um, that's all I got. So, like I said, it's a it's a good it's a good place to start. Go and um, and like I said, try to uh, put these things into practice. What I'll tell you is that I do have um, oh look, they're all in here. Oops. All right, so I have forms that if you guys want to use them. Um, Kathy's putting them on the uh, on Facebook, and so if you want to use them, I one of these I made up, and one of these I pulled off the internet. There's plenty of uh, things to use, but like I said, if you're just one of those that needs to have like a form so you can get started, uh, like I said, they're going to be on the they're going to be on the Facebook page so you can download them. There's nothing special about them. Uh, if you want to just write your own notes based on what I said, that's that's fine. Um, but like I said, the idea is to just get started. Um, the 
you know, like I said, which Bible is the best? The one you actually read. Which type of Bible study is the best? The one you actually do. All right. So that said, um, I'm just going to pray. And, and, and like I said, I hope that this goes out because if we get a stronger foundation of who God is and, and have a stronger foundation of his word in us, then that makes us all stronger. And then that means the things that we can do as individuals, as a church, as a body gets bigger, you know, and why is that even important? Because we all run into people every day. And when they see that you walk in power and authority and confidence, and you're not, you know, not about, you know, patting yourself on the back, but it's about knowing where your help comes from and knowing that other people can have that too. You know, it's going to start to be attractive as things in the world get weirder and weirder as they will. You know, the fact that you know how things work and that things just work for you. How does that happen? Well, it happens based on your covenant and and it happens because you have a conversation going with the person who made that covenant with you. And that's how this thing was to be, was meant to be lived, you know, as a demonstration so that other people could see, you know, that you don't participate in some of the crazy that happens in the world. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to get into your word today, Father God, and just to to re-emphasize how important your word is to us, how central it is that we know what you promised, what you revealed about yourself to all of us, Father God, and so that we have, we take the time every day to get into your word, to get in conversation with you. When we when we read a passage that you can bring it to life in our hearts, that you can, if it's something that we have a problem with, that we can ask you, what did you mean by that, God? And be confident that you will give us the answer, that you will take us to a place that that explains, you know, take, take us to another scripture that sheds light on that first scripture and understand that all of these things that you've given us were to help us grow up, were to help us to be able to make it in this world. We just thank you for it, Father God, that you, you've made all this available to us and that you hide nothing from us. We thank you, Father God, that your word says that if any of us need wisdom, all we have to do is ask you for it and that you'll give it to us freely. We just thank you for that, Father God. Father God, we just pray over the, the church family. Father God, we pray over all the needs that people may have. Father God, especially we lift up. Uh...